Hello, my name is Dr. Michael Blumenfield. I'm the Sidney E. Frank Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at New York Medical College, and I'm currently in private practice in Los Angeles. I'm also the host of this podcast. I'm going to make a presentation of a blog that I have also put on psychiatrytalk.com, and it concerns the coronavirus. The title is Psychiatrists and other mental health therapists should continue remote sessions with patients whenever possible. As the coronavirus epidemic evolves, there is a variable amount of relaxation of the requirements for quarantine, wearing masks and gowns, and keeping social distancing. Particularly for the medical profession, there is more pressure on physicians to allow closer contact for physical examinations, blood drawing, and of course, minor and major surgical procedures. Despite everyone's best efforts, we all realize that the relaxation of these measures will lead to a certain amount of transmission of the virus, subsequent illness, and fatalities, while we certainly hope and pray for this not to happen. As we progress towards the relaxation of these precautions, psychiatrists and other mental health professionals have been seeing patients via remote, usually video techniques, but also are considering returning to in-person face-to-face visits. Psychiatrists, particularly as part of the medical profession, we feel a certain obligation to offer the best possible treatment to our patients and to support our colleagues. Many practitioners who have tried remote therapy believe that remote sessions are inferior to in-person sessions and feel an ethical obligation to resume in-person, face-to-face meetings as soon as possible. In my opinion, this is a serious mistake. I believe that a careful consideration of all the factors will make a strong case for the maintenance of remote therapy sessions at this time and for the foreseeable future, as long as there is the possibility of the deadly epidemic being present and perhaps beyond it. Obviously, there are exceptional situations, such as in consultation liaison work, emergency rooms, certain crisis situations, drop-in clinics, etc. Although accommodations to maintain distant contact in these settings may be possible. There are also serious financial considerations to be taken into account as remote sessions with patients may be reimbursed at a lower rate than face-to-face meetings. This situation needs to be immediately addressed by our various professional organizations and by the government. Only a limited proportion of our consulting and waiting rooms can truly allow for a proper social distancing and a a maintenance of sanitized furniture for the numerous occupants who will use it. We are often talking about two people sitting in a closed room, probably barely six feet apart for perhaps 45 minutes, directly facing each other and talking to each other Granted, in psychoanalysis, the patient faces away from the therapist while lying on the couch.
Many years ago, I asked an older supervisor, who's my age now, how he would feel if there could be a clear video connection and whether that could replace, if that could replace an in-person session. He said something to the effect, if you can't smell the patient, it's not going to be effective treatment. Well, our current experience with telepsychiatry has certainly disproved that view. Also, if by some chance one or both of the participants in therapy are wearing a mask, certainly it is much less intimate than a crisp, clear face on a large computer screen. Also, when medication need to be prescribed, we can easily do that by phone, fax, or electronically. In addition, we should also take into account the travel time as well as the potential exposure to the virus during such travel. I would estimate that the average patient spends at least a half hour going one way from their location to my office in Los Angeles, plus the waiting room time. That's a total of probably more than one hour, and that time certainly has value to the patient. I shall also add that everything that I previously stated applies also to group therapy. Maintaining social distance for six to 10 people would require a very large room. And telepsychiatry methods, such as Zoom and other techniques, have been proven to be very effective for group meetings. In conclusion, remote telepsychiatry meetings are very feasible and effective and may very well save the health and the lives of both the therapist and the patient. There should be a consideration for continuing this method of treatment throughout the full run of the coronavirus epidemic and perhaps into the future. It is also essential that our professional organizations play a very strong role in advocating and encouraging this technique being used by its members and also take a very active role in advocating for equal reimbursement for treatment by these techniques.